From Square Two, this is What's Wrong With Revenue. I'm Mike Lieberman, CEO at Square Two, and along with my longtime friend, Eric Kalis, and co-founder at Square Two and six-time entrepreneur, Eric and I will answer the question CEOs have every single day, what's wrong with revenue? You can be part of the Livecast show where we'll answer your questions every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, or catch the show on demand on YouTube and on all your favorite podcast networks. Also check out all our audio and video content on Square2 Plus at the square2marketing.com website. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to What's Wrong with Revenue. I'm Mike Lieberman, CEO at Square2. We're at Inbound. This is the Inbound edition of What's Wrong with Revenue. Super excited with Eric's here. He's in the control room sitting next to us. And we have a special guest today, uh, Guillaume. Guillaume, I never know how to say your last name. Deleu. Deleu. Awesome. Now I know how to say it. There you go. All right. Um, a little bit of housekeeping just for all of our regular fans. Check out the show on YouTube, the Square2 Marketing channel. You can like it. You can subscribe to it. You can leave us comments. We really enjoy that. All of these uh, videos are posted to the Square2 Marketing channel. They'll be up tomorrow. Go check it out. For all of you podcast fans, we're on all your favorite podcast platforms, audio, um, Podbean, Stitcher, Apple, iTunes, we're everywhere uh, uh, podcasts are sold. And if you're really into content, go check out the Square2 Marketing free streaming service, square2marketing.com backslash square2 plus, where we have a Netflix style streaming service where you can get all of our audio and video content. And last but not least, if you like the show and you want to subscribe to the show specifically, at the bottom of our website, there's a link, What's Wrong With Revenue? Click on it. You can submit questions. We won't be doing any questions today. Sorry, Eric. But you can submit questions next week, and you can also subscribe to the show. We'll email you the show, and we'll put the show right on your calendar so you can join us live. So, Inbound Edition, Guillaume, thanks for joining us. Of course. Really appreciate it. And I've always wondered, how does a hub spotter deal with inbound so what what's it like for you to be here what kind of prep do you have to do what's your day like and and then i have some other questions as well sure um well uh i think the first thing to note about hubspotters at inbound that people don't know is the fact that we have access to basically nothing we can't go to any sessions (laughs) can't get into the vip area uh, the only thing that I can do is attend the main uh, the main events um, and really talk to my clients. That's mm-hmm. really the primary reason why we are sort of uh, we're here. So you know, my role is to meet with clients such as yourself, uh, catch up, put a face to the name. Um, but we yeah, we don't get to participate in any of the educational aspect of of inbound. Mm-hmm. But also this year is quite different. Obviously, we're just coming out of the pandemic. Uh, to give you a sense of scale. In 2019, the last time we had a big um, sort of uh, on-site event, we had about 25,000 people attend. This year, we have 10,000. So it's much, much, much reduced. And you probably, you guys can probably feel it. Like, it's not quite as many people wandering the halls right. um, as there used to be. So high level, that's kind of what it looks like for us. But really, it's for time to spend time with our, you know, with our customers and partners. Awesome. Great. Uh, my next question, I'm very curious as to whether you get any previews of what is revealed here, like Darmesh's talk, yep. Stephanie's talk, that's her name, right? The, your new product person? Yep. Yeah, and, yep. and uh, Yamini. Like, do you yep. ever see any of that content before it gets shown to us? So we usually do, I would say probably three weeks ago, um, our uh, John Dick, uh, who's a VP yeah. of marketing at HubSpot, kind of gave us the narrative 
that you saw the age of the disconnected customer. And so that whole narrative was laid out to us in a wiki. We have a wiki that we use to share information amongst team members. So we had a preview of what was going to be said. Um, as far as like the specifics of the presentation, I know the team rehearses a bunch. We don't see that. But yeah, I was generally aware of the narrative that we're going to run with. Right. So give us some comments. What do you think of it? It was uh, Eric and I talked about it. We thought it was interesting, but what's your take on it? I, I was pretty jazzed. I, I'll be honest, like, I feel like our narrative as a company has been a little weak in the past couple of years. Um, you know, we had the inbound methodology and that, that carried right, us for so right, long. Right. Big fans of that. Yep, yes. I know you guys are. And then we yeah. had the, the flywheel and that carried us, you know, a little further. Um, but since then, it feels like, I don't know, we didn't have a strong narrative. So I think this idea of a disconnected customer, disconnected systems, that we're alienated from each other and from our systems seems like a pretty strong narrative. Um, and also it seems like we're putting together the tools in place to solve for that. Mm -hmm. um, so it felt like it was very like fact-based or research-based because we laid a bunch of stats about how the world is kind of coming out of the pandemic. And, um, and I think the, the products, and we can go into those if you want, but I feel like the products that we showcased are really, you know, product solve for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Eric and I actually talked about the flywheel. So is that, is that like subverted now or or no more? What's the story with the flywheel? I think it's still, it's not subverted. I think even Yamini used the attract, um, uh, engage and delight stages as a way to frame some of the features she was going to walk us through. I don't think it's as upfront as it used to be because I think our focus right now is in creating, you know, the the best CRM, the most easy to use CRM. So that's really what the focus is all about that CRM and kind of fixing disconnected systems. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Eric, we were talking a little bit about the the uh, content from the main stage show. What, what did you think of it? Well, I agree. I thought it was an interesting take on exactly where we're going with this. It was a much bigger story, especially, especially the connect.com connect initiative. Now, now it's a lot more than just sell yeah, leads drive uh, revenue. revenue. Now, now it's about a whole community. So I'm curious to see how that all shapes out and how it trickles down to the individual subscribers and the companies that are using HubSpot because it's a big story. And I'm just concerned because I think a lot of the small, medium-sized businesses that use HubSpot are still trying to figure out where their direction is, how they can apply HubSpot. And now they have to worry about the entire world being connected. So I like it. I like it. I see the big, the big picture. I'm just concerned about what happens to the individual users. Yeah, it looks like that connect.com is maybe a uh, move to uh, outpace LinkedIn. Yeah, it, I mean, Darmesh has been talking about this idea of like building a network for a very long time. Um, so I feel like he's tried it. He's tried. There have been multiple you know, iterations of this project. So hopefully this one sticks. Uh, it's hard to do. How, how many other iterations? None, none that really got this kind of publicity, no, no. right? No, But you remember there was, you're, you're old school, you remember um, inbound.org? Inbound remember that Yes, website? I do remember that. Yes, uh, yes. I still have a t-shirt actually of inbound.org that I, that I treasure. Uh, and then we That had, was a community effort also? Yeah, it was uh -huh. a community because it was sort of like a Reddit type situation when you had like forums and you can kind of comment. And then the community... But the community has not, I don't think it's really lived up to its promise. So we do have a community where people can take like product requests, have conversations about the product. I think this is going to be hopefully different. Do you, do you think this moves like the Facebook community out of Facebook? And in, like, it almost seems like he's trying to build like, his own little social media I, platform, right? I, I, I think that's exactly right. right. And I think the, if anything, moment's you know, ripe for this. I mean, I think Facebook has had a bunch of controversies recently. Um, so I think there's like, 
they're vulnerable in a way that they may not have been in the past. So it's a good time right now, I think, to try to build our own social network. Yeah, that makes sense. But it's very difficult to do. So. Yeah, Eric, yeah, sure. I mean, I, I really like that. I really like how the community focuses on sales, 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 kind of ex exploded into like a big mashup of mess and, and nothing. It's very hard to find anything. It's very hard to like manage a stream and, and like get anything out of it. So, and that's true. That's true on Instagram. That's true on Facebook. Like, and I think, I think it was Yamani who mentioned this. Like, yeah. I used to look forward to seeing our feed. Yeah. Now, like most of I feel like it's actually worse on LinkedIn. Yeah. Right? Like, I don't know, like business <laughs> people are trying to sell you. Yes, yes, yes. They're trying to sell you and they're trying to just use like their connections to force a message down your throat. Um, Facebook's not much better, but I feel like from a business perspective, right. LinkedIn right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. jumped the shark to use an I old uh, TV, TV term. <laughs> I also think, and maybe you can let me know, I feel like the connect.com initiative is also going to replace the partner directory. I well, if that's true, I haven't heard that yet. Because all the accreditations are yeah. in there, all the certifications are in there, right? You know, like it seems like if I'm looking for something, um, that's where I'm going to go. And if I'm looking for a partner, they're all going to be in there, and I'll actually get to see all of the important stuff yeah, associated I, with them. I think I think I don't know if it will replace, but what you're definitely right on is that I think it will definitely play better with one another because we build a directory separately from the community, and the two don't really speak to each other. So, for right. example, the idea is if you, you you update your your directory profile, boom, they would automatically update your profile on the, on the this new community that we're building. Oh, so okay. they be, that's so they're going to be tied together. I'm, I'm imagining better connection between the two, not one replacing the other. But then again, who knows what Dharma just got up his sleeves? Right. Well, I mean, the partner directory, as we've talked many times, has its own set of issues. It sure right? does. I wouldn't, Matt, I wouldn't mind seeing it get replaced <laughs> by something that okay. helps people find better partners, yes. right? That's the whole point of the directory, yeah. not, not just to like, see who's at the you got the most reviews basically but yep. like who's right for my project yes you can't really do that on the directory now yeah i hopefully think the accreditation will hopefully be like a true test of like what one can do because right now anybody can claim to really do anything right 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 it's right, sort of right. like your own judgment you know, no i i like the accreditation idea because then someone will have vetted right the people that are saying they can do this work third-party validation is important yeah yeah exactly <laughs> Good. So the other thing that I really found interesting from the talk was, and this really made me feel good personally, and Eric, we did talk about this briefly, when Dharmesh said, no one knows what they're doing. I find that in <laughs> our business, all the people we talk to, all the clients we talk to, all the prospects we talk to, they don't know what they're doing. We're trying to help them as best we possibly can, but to some extent, we're figuring it out. This was Yamini's talk, like yeah. things has changed so much in such a short amount of time that even the experts are still trying to figure it out. It's so true. Right. I mean, if you, if you look back like 10 years ago, we knew that, you know, you were blogging, SEO. These were tried and true strategies that basically anybody can implement and see results, right? Nowadays, and as she said, like social media is getting, is getting messier. Google is eating up so much of the clicks. Like go to Google right now and look for like the store of your favorite team. You don't go to ESPN anymore. The score is just in the browser. So Google's it's just scraping all these websites, putting it on the browser, so people didn't have to click through to any of the websites. 
So from like the people who are creating content, Google's just taking your content, making it available. And then you're like, oh, I got the answer that I wanted from Google. Right. I'm on my way. Right. So I think that's the, this problem of Google just eating up all the clicks. is a huge issue. Advertising is through the roof. Um, we're living in a new landscape. And I don't think, I think it's why it's important to have a very, and I hate that term, the omni-channel approach. But you kind of have to figure out what are you going to be your omni-channel approach for yourself. Yeah. Omni-channel though is really just like, Banding on everything. Exactly. Hoping one of them comes in. It's like, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put money on all the horses in the race and I'll be guaranteed to win. But right? to me, that's totally that's why I don't like that aspect of it. But I think to me it's more about let's try a bunch of things and see which channels are gonna work for us. Right. I think at the end of the day, you're gonna realize that well, the testing and the experimenting yes. piece is the right way to do it. Yes. Right? You would learn pretty quickly that hey, this channel's not really for exactly. us. Let's shut it down, yep. put the money in the other yep. channels. Yep. There's a, there's something to be said for that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But it's not as like, again, 10 years ago was very by the book. Right. Do your keyword research. Well, the inbound playbook was very, right. very simple, right? Yeah. We, we liked it quite a bit, right? It was easy to understand. It was, especially for our clients who are not that sophisticated. Yeah. Right. Okay. Next topic, the, the data piece of it. Yes. Right. So HubSpot has these new data tools that they're rolling out. By the way, you got to get square two in some of these betas that, that were that were discussed. Name, so. name the beta. And I'll okay, we'll totally follow it. up with you afterwards. We want to be part of some of those betas, specifically <laughs> the campaign beta yes. and the data beta. But my question about data is, and Eric, if you have a comment about this, we talked about this yesterday also. When we used to talk to prospects, our only data question was, how many contacts do you have in your database? <laughs> and they would tell us, we're like, okay, good, moving on. <laughs> now we spend a decent amount of time talking to them about their database. Where did it come from? How clean is it? Like, yeah. do you think it's usable? And almost everybody to a T is, no, it's a mess. Yeah. However, they're now going to have to like invest money that they probably thought was going to go to marketing to clean the data up, to keep it clean to use some tools to, to, to make sure that it continues to be clean. How do you feel they're gonna re respond to that? Well, I think we, I think, I think the, so specifically we're talking about the new Ops Hub feature that allows you to automatically format and clean up your data. I mean, as far as yeah. you're concerned, yes, that's what we're talking about. But our clients have a lot of data issues that require a lot of data work on our part to help them, right? Yeah. First, we have to audit it. Right, because they don't really know what's wrong with it, and we can't tell what's wrong with it with a cursory glance. We yes. have to really get into yep. it and like dig around and what properties are they using, what properties are in there that they're not using. Yep. You know, how is the data populated in the fields? Is it consistent? Is it not consistent? And they weren't really planning on having us have to do any of that, right? But we we've, we've been telling them more stories and helping them understand the importance of that data. And this product, I think, supports that conversation. Yeah. Hopefully, makes it easier to do some of the things that have to be done. Yeah, and to me, it goes back to the point that they made about how first-party data is the most important data, right? People for many years used to buy data from a third party. You buy your email list from another- Well, they're, buy, they're buying it more than ever before now too. Which is a problem. Right. Um, I think what they need to do is double down on having their own database that is clean, properly formatted, because in the long term, it might not, in the short term, it might not seem like, it seems like it's a, daunting, a very daunting task, but over the long term, you will reap the benefits of having a clean database. But I think like being first part, you know, focusing on first party data, making sure that you're, again, managing your own database, not dependent on others, is the key, is the way to the future. Yeah, I mean, Eric. 
Yeah, but the challenge is sometimes that before conversions used to be quite easy, right? People come to your website, they give you the email in exchange for a nice white paper and you're on your way to build your database. Now that's becoming quite challenging with privacy issues. And they can't build uh, their own first party database as quickly. So now they're uh, scrambling and they have to go out and get more names so they can do some kind of cold outreach or something like that. Does HubSpot approach this like kind of inbound, outbound in 2022? So I was actually just sitting with a uh, an, an executive, a sales executive, who said that like part of our strategy is what they're calling all bound. And the idea is that we're putting a lot more emphasis on uh, like on the outbound efforts. And that's one of the things that we've had to just kind of like come to come to terms with. Like it's just the world has changed and it's all about outbound now. However, and I will share this with you guys, what's interesting is that our sales team is not that sophisticated still. We've got a bunch of sales sequences that are just all over the place. The reps can take really nilly, but no one has actually done the work of like, hey, what are the sequences that actually generate the most conversions? And how to make wow. sure the BDRs only use these and don't just go around looking for like random ones that they can pick up in our CRM. So we've got a lot of work to do there, but again, it's gotta be, at the end of the day, you guys do more outbound. <laughs> but the outbound is problematic. I it mean, is problematic. We've, we've- run into problems with it. Clients have run into problems with it. The HubSpot police have knocked on my door a yep. couple of times to try no, to- But there's no, what, there's no quick fix anymore. Right. Right. Like that's the thing. There's not a single thing to do that's going to solve all your issues. Right. You got to try a bit of everything and see what works for you and your company. Right. Right. Yeah. That could be frustrating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it can you know, be. Especially when you go from like a world where we had such a, again, such a very set playbook a world where it's like, ah, I don't know. Let's experiment and find out. <laughs> Come on this yes. journey with us. And I know from a client standpoint, it's like, no one wants what? to hear that. <laughs> I don't want to right. go on a journey. I want results from what I'm being want. Too. And they want it immediately. And they want it right away. Right. Yeah. I mean, how many conversations have we had? But it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Like you got to be in this for the long haul. And unfortunately, they still think it's going to happen right. quickly. They want it to happen quickly. I paid you for two months. Where are my leads? I need leads. It's, well, I'm curious. I got a question for you, Mike, sure. if, I'm, if I can ask. Sure, of course. Um, it's that kind of show. <laughs> I ask, you ask. You guys have been on the ground floor of, of Inbound for so long, right? Just want to make sure everyone knows Spiritu was the first diamond agency. Um, you guys have been doing this for a long time. I'm curious, from your perspective, how have things changed from like a services standpoint? Let's put away maybe the technology and the, and the HubSpot. Do you have a services standpoint, what you used to do for clients and the results you used to get? In about now, how has the work yeah. changed? Well, I mean, the major way the work changed is we really only did inbound in the beginning, right? We, Eric and I, before we even met HubSpot, right? When we got together, we were like, advertising is wrong for our clients. It's reach and frequency. It's untargeted. Like you're, you're paying to have your ad in front of someone who would never use your product. Eric loves telling the billboard story. You can tell that if you want to. But we were very anti-advertising when we started the agency. And that kind of led us got us leaning towards inbound before we even knew what it was. Now, in 2003, when we started, Facebook was not even a company. So really, we did a lot of email marketing. We did a lot of web web stuff, a little bit of organic. And that was really the only tools we had. Over the years, we would start adopting the tools as they became available to us. But for many, many, many years, we really railed against paid advertising, paid, paid search, like anything paid was not, we were very pure inboundists. I was extremely disappointed when HubSpot started leaning away from inbound. 
And if you read some of the stuff I wrote, I felt <laughs> I like inbound was going to take over the world. Everyone was going to do inbound. There was going to never be any outbound again. Like I really believed in it wholeheartedly, right? So I was majorly disappointed, but we had to adapt to too. So now we do a lot of demand gen. We do a lot of paid advertising. We do a lot of paid search for clients. We do ABM. We do a lot of account-based marketing for clients because it's the right thing to do now. Now I will say, I, I think the inbound playbook is still fairly solid. Yes. If you were going to lean into that. And when you start to get into some of these other tactics, it gets a little fuzzy. Like yeah. we've been trying to run our own paid social campaign for about six months now for square yeah. two. Right. And I've been doing it with our paid specialists. So yeah. I can see kind of like the, the details behind it. We've always loved kind of experimenting on square two, as opposed to experimenting with, with clients. Right. So Initially, we did it, and we got some visitors to a website. Okay, not 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 great, but 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 something, right? Something. I'm like, okay, like now, how do we get a lead instead of a visitor, right? So we we tried a couple pieces of content, and they worked kind of okay. And they were traditional pieces of content, like infographics, white papers, ebooks, kinds of things. Kind of worked okay. I'm like, okay, let's try something else. And I I then moved to a tool, a website blueprint template, right? You're having issues with your website. This is a tool you can use to think differently about your website. It was our methodology. We've always been very open sharing what we do with clients publicly because we know they're they're going to have a lot harder doing it than, than us, right? But that has worked really well. However, I'm still not sure it's the right lead. So it's leads, but I'm not sure it's the right lead for us. I'm not sure it's a quality lead yet. So that'll be the next test. Yeah. What, what's been the most interesting here is it's taken us six months to do this. And in most cases at square two, when we've tried this before, if a, after a month it didn't work, we should shut it down. And unfortunately, that's also what the clients do. Right. They, they, if it's not working, they shut it down without letting us tweak it and adjust it and learn from it and make it better over time. So uh, to transition to what was shown here at HubSpot, I'm very interested in the campaign tool because yeah. Square Two is doubling down on our campaign execution and trying to do a better job um, uh, guiding the client to not do what I just said, right? You got to be in this for the long term. You got to have the right budget to it. You can't cannibalize your services budget associated with campaigns with other things that you're comfortable with. Like clients love stuff, right? white papers, ebooks, websites, pillar pages, like they just love those things because they can touch it and feel it and they right. feel like it's right. productive. So lots of times they'll they'll take their, their retainer budget with us and cannibalize it with those things, mm. not leaving us enough time or, or, or energy to really get their campaign to work. So we're going to be trying to be more rigid. Yeah, and that, that's that's a really good point. I feel like a lot of times the old inbound model, it was like, you know, build it and it will come. You know, so we spend 80% of our time building stuff. And then, you know, eventually we pick the right keywords that they'll come. Now it's almost like you need to think about the distribution of your campaign before you've built it. Right. Like before you ask yourself, well, you know, we can build that asset. You guys can build those ebooks and no issues, right? The question is how we're going to distribute it. Right. How, how, what's actually we're going to get this thing out there. If you haven't thought that through, it's not going to be successful. You need right. to spend at least half your time should be spent on campaign distribution as opposed to campaign creation. Yeah. And so there's, my, yeah. there's a shift and, in mindset. And, and again, an optimization and analysis. And right? after like, that, yes. Yes. Constantly. A, a lot of people think the campaign has one metric, like sales opportunities. 
right? right? And if that's how you're going to measure your campaigns, you may be shutting them down prematurely, yeah. never letting it mature enough to actually produce a sales opportunity for you. So the campaign tool, like what, what do you know about that? How would how could we be thinking about using that in our campaign engagement? So I'll be, I'll be candid. I have not played around with this new uh, campaign tool, um, but basically what it's going to do, and it's again, it's, it's been on that trajectory where it's going to start bringing together more data points from the CRM to kind of enrich what the, how you're tracking on that, that campaign. So as opposed to like you having to piece together the campaign yourself, HubSpot's going to start to do the work for you. But the idea is that the assets that are in HubSpot that you've built are going to be organized together in a way that's a lot more um, elegant and a more easy to understand. So without us having to do it, because you could always, you know, like, tag it. Yeah, tag it as yep. a campaign. Yep. yep. But you're right. You never. It was, it's difficult to look at all of the. It was rigid, right? It just didn't feel well, like it was. It, it was just hard to kind of find everything in one place. So that's what this is. Yes. It's just aggregate all of the. Um, assets and, and executables associated with this particular campaign in one place. Yep. And, and all, roll up all the data also. And roll up all the data. And the, the biggest thing, honestly, is to tie that out to revenue, right? Because right. what you can do now is you can look at your campaigns and say, hey, did this campaign produce revenue? Yes or no? Right. Now, I will, I'll be honest. Yeah, I'm not a fan of revenue attribution. Okay, I'm glad, Ron. I, I am, I'm actually very skeptical of our ability to attribute any kind of revenue. Because to me, it's like, People well, you do can, all kinds of you stuff. You can always attribute it, but is it actually is it accurate? Like accurate? Does it reflect reality? Right. I mean, good marketing means they've seen 10 things from you. Like, right. what, how are you assigning it to one particular thing? And also, there are things people will like, maybe they'll visit something on their phone or their friend's phone. Like, you can't track somebody's journey. And, and the privacy apps that are coming out are going to make it harder and harder. So I think attribution is only going to get harder right. because of the privacy walls that all these companies are putting, are right. putting up. Right. So we have to be aware of that, too. That like, So I'm a little bit. I'm curious to see how accurate those campaign uh, reports. Okay. Um, but can I mention my most, yeah, like, course, my most anticipated sure. feature? Sure. Because um, to me, I truly feel like it's what it's the tool that HubSpot's built building this whole time, and that is the customer journey analytics. Oh yeah, yeah, that is good. Oh, we actually commented about those graphs. Those yes. look really cool. Because I feel like one thing we've all like people have always wanted to do is like, can you just visualize for me in a HubSpot report? you know, awareness, consideration, decision. How do people go and how, like, how do these conversions happen? Like, I want to see that. And now we're going to be able to actually- Is that going to be customizable, that journey? So um, again, I have not played around with the tool. I'm basically mostly on screenshots and positioning statements. You're doing great, by the way, for someone that hasn't seen a lot of stuff. <laughs> then it comes out, like, you don't even know what he was talking about. But ho hopefully I'm, I'm near the mark. Uh -huh. um, it, so from what I've seen, yes, you'll be able to use a bunch of different filters to kind of control like, you know, so it looks like I want to see a subset of my customers or of my of my contacts. Like I want to see the Google Google ones. I only see the ones that went to a trade show. I only see the one that went to a trade show, converted through Facebook, and that paid me you know more than ten thousand dollars. And that'll roll all the way through to close deal. Correct. Right. So click to close. Finally, you'll click get a picture of that. Exactly. Right. Right. We so again, I, I want to make sure you don't understand. know, but we want to be able to put our cyclonic buyer journey in there. So Good. We, so we can see like all of our stages I as think, opposed to just the three kind of traditional funnel stages. I think you're going to be able to actually define that really to your liking. So I think you'll be able to put together like a, here's the way that we recommend that you guys track this uh, much more easily. Um, so yeah, again, I have not played around with it, but that's the vision anyways. Okay. Good. Good. Excellent. So do you get to walk around and see like the, the vendors at all? A little bit. Anybody you're interested in here? Honestly, I'm not keeping track too much with a lot of like the third party 
have vendors. I feel like we're building so much on HubSpot that just, I mean, remember when I joined HubSpot six years ago, all we had was like, you know, landing pages, a blog, and, and come email. a long way, right? Right now, I need to remember five different hubs. It seems like it's been much longer than that, but <laughs> like yeah. for me to start paying attention to like the third part, I did do a lot of cool stuff, but honestly, like I need to stay focused on what we do. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So that's the reality. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Eric, sure. So when you have all these hubs now, what's the adoption rate for the regular old HubSpot client who's still trying to master people getting to their website, converting sales opportunities and so forth. How are they adopting some of the new things that are a little bit next level? Yeah, I think so. To this day, Marketing Hub leads the way. I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but they're still like by far what we sell the most, right? Yeah, I think I heard someone told me it's like 2 billion in revenue for Marketing Hub mm -hmm. and 1 billion that makes sense. for Sales Hub yeah. and 90 million for service up so that's pretty still pretty heavily marketing pretty much right. marketing yeah i think we're doing a really good job on the sales side pushing that so to me like marketing and sales are by far well and cms cms right, is right, very right. popular right. as well so right. those three sales cms marketing very very uh popular um service hub if you have the right use case service hub is awesome right so just to resume my point right Marketing, 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 sales, CMS, by far most popular hubs. Service hub, if you have the right, again, if you have like an FAQ, you have support team, it's a very great, it's a great tool. Operations hub is definitely the like, redheaded stepchild of like, of, of our hubs. How many, how many people are like, you know, what's the t take rate on ops hub? I don't know those, those numbers off the top of my head. Uh, but I mean, from somebody who I have got, you know, I have hundreds and hundreds of, of customers under my name. Um, definitely it's, it's few and far between. Yeah. Well, it would seem it's more applicable for larger clients with more sophisticated yeah. integration and data and Correct. automation issues. Correct. It's not right for like the normal SMB or mid-market. Yeah. That's what I was saying. Like there seems to be a chasm between like all basic blocking and tackling things, marketing hub, sales yep. hub, and the new things. Like I'm thinking like who is going to use it? Only the people that have mastered the original hubs that are now ready to add more yes. things to it. But remember, I sat in this room when they introduced Sales Hub. And I was like, you have Salesforce. Why would they ever go into that? And now it's a billion dollars in sales. So, you know, I've been wrong many times. Right, right, right. And I do think like a lot of people talk about like, oh, well, Zendesk is kind of like 2.0 and the HubSpot is 3.0. If we add it in, it, it incorporates the entire journey. Yep. Even like post the initial sale. Now we have something there. So get it i mean it's just a tremendous amount of work to implement it maintain it and enhance it for a typical marketing department yeah and i think for us for our product development we put out a tool a lot of the features that we put out are very like next level they're very you know they're they're meant to be advanced and so i think it's going to take us some time to figure out what an ops hub can be put in front of like a more average customer mm -hmm. that they might find value in i mean the uh -huh. most basic one is ops hub starter does give you the ability to plug into other third-party integrators and do bi-directional sync and sync like every property as opposed to just the standard properties. So Opsum Starter has a great value. The pro level still remains tricky for your average client, but I think we'll figure it out. What's the starter price? Starter price for Opsum, I believe is $50. Oh, okay. That's pretty reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. It would and, be but that's same. my whole point. For $50, I'm a small business. I get involved. Now you're talking to me about a buyer's journey graphing and uh, you know interactive real time it's like mind blowing right 
Yeah, I mean, the, it's just, it would be the same as any middleware. They would need to integrate their product anyway. So it would right. kind of make sense. Yeah, it's yeah. basically, uh, it's like a, a Zap Zapier, yeah. Zapier, how do you yeah. pronounce that? Zapier, yeah. Uh, it's basically Zapier for, for HubSpot, right? Right, um, right. Good. All right. Um, Currently, was there another feature that was announced yesterday? We talked about the data. Yeah. We talked about campaigns. We talked about the customer journey. We talked about connect.com. Mm -hmm. It might have been one other thing that I, I feel like there's added. one more that I'm blanking on as well. Looking at Kristen. Looking at Kristen. So, like, what's next? Inbound, uh, back to the life of a hub spotter. Yeah. Inbound ends, and now everybody just goes back to their regular job on Monday. Is there a, <laughs> there a post mortem? Is there like we're, um, we're going to get together and talk about what worked and what so, didn't? Yeah, that certainly will happen. My job, though, is very exciting. I get to talk with the square two team post inbound we do a big you know i we got a big deck to go through uh -huh, and train the right. whole team so you do that with all your partners i no i don't do that all my partners only my i have too many your best partners my best partners my best partners, my best partners uh -huh. the ones that it's worth investing time in uh -huh. and some some just don't care they're like right, yeah right. just send us the deck we're good right <laughs> um but yeah so it's an exciting time for me because it's a lot of like new products new betas to try out new ways to delight the customers and also i, I love the timing of this too because like end of q3 we're heading into q4 it's a high energy so for us it kind of like inbound kind of carries us really till the end of the year all right um I, I, let's let's shift gears a little bit okay let's go and i and do you ever get feedback on like inbound like people come up to be like hey yeah. so you, is the answer yes yes i get feedback I, there's not much that i can do about I know, the feedback, I but yes i get the feedback so we get from me have people talked about the app at all Yes, actually. I mean, I feel like it's the. I haven't even. Out. I haven't even tried it myself. It was like it doesn't work. It doesn't work, right? So kind of a bummer. What happens in that scenario? I mean, and, and interestingly enough, like last year, the, the virtual inbound was really good. Like the, the technology was really good. I completed. Year. By the way, my my wife gave birth last year oh, you during you inbound, so I literally I, I I know nothing about last right. year's inbound. So like everyone was really impressed. The technology was easy to join and interact like did we do that like uh yeah uh session with dan tire yep yeah um i mean people can't get into sessions they can't connect with anybody like it's literally like useless in fact someone uh in, in our own like the chat room found a pdf of all the sessions that we're using to decide <laughs> what sessions you get and and someone shared that like oh, someone man. here found a pdf and shared it in the community and now everyone has the pdf to wow okay I was wondering if you heard anything. Going back to pen and paper, maybe that's the strategy for 2023. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, you <laughs> get a pass because it's the first inbound back again. Right, okay. So next year, <laughs> you got to get that out there. Yeah. Um, but HubSpot as an organization is the kind where, like, they debrief and do post forums on, on everything, and somebody's accountable. Well, you, you, you so, also seem to have, like, separation of church and state, right? Like, big time. HubSpot's not really, not really part of it. I mean, I know you're, like, sponsoring, you're, like, the lead, but... There's a group of people that run inbound and yes. they're not HubSpot people? No, they're HubSpot people, but they're very closed off. Oh. Like, I'm, but I get my partners all the time asking me, hey, Guillaume, I missed a deadline on the ticket. Can you give me uh, an extension? <laughs> and every time I'm like, listen, if I could, I would, but literally they will not listen to me. Why are they roped off? I don't really know what the, it's a good question. I'm not sure why, it's, it feels very intentional. And it's always been that way. Maybe it's uh, like, like with the advertisers in the newspaper and the editorial. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe but like this isn't a public domain. It's a private company that you can choose to get involved or not. The newspaper's public. I know, but he would be in a very uncomfortable position if he really could do something about it. And everybody was asking him to yeah, pull maybe. this string and give me this favor. And 
now at least he can say like, look, I, I can't do anything. Literally, for right, but they shouldn't feel separate. It should feel like this is an extension of our community. This is, I always say, this is my big, my big industry event that I go to every year, right? But yet I'm really going to someone else's event for a software that I happen to use and sell on this side. And they're not the same anymore. Back in the day, they were the same. When you sat around and you had beers with the HubSpot people and you talked about what the future is holding, what new things are coming down the pike, it felt like it was all in one. Just my perception yeah, no, of being, I, I think, think this fair. is my eighth inbound, you know? That's fair. Yeah, yeah. What about the speakers? There seemed to be a much fewer selection, and a lot of them were solely online. What was the thinking behind that? Yeah, I again, I think it was there was a lot of uncertainty coming out of the pandemic, so I think they wanted to like again to see what it would look like. Oh, in case um, they had to cancel a hundred speakers. In, no, I yeah. think they also had less sessions and a lot less sessions. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, right? so less speakers, and we had like almost a third the amount of people that we had last uh, in 2019. Right, so like smaller people, and there's a big emphasis on the, on the online part of it as well. Uh, but also, like they're getting President Obama, so maybe the maybe the speaker budget went for like oh, yeah. getting yeah. the president. You know, well, maybe some of like this budget went to getting him. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Yeah. How how much you guys think somebody like Barack Obama charges for? Oh, it? I know. We looked it up. You yeah. looked it up. Okay, tell me. What is well, it? Tell me what you think. So my guess was between one fifteen two hundred. Way low. Yeah. We way we, low. Way low. We saw somewhere between four and six hundred thousand dollars. Wow. Yeah. And then we had a conversation. Half like, a mill for what does he do with it? Does right. it is it donated? Right. Is it like, well, right. But uh wow. for the listeners explain that Barack Obama Oh oh if you're not an inbound, you don't know anything about inbound, Barack Obama is the keynote speaker tomorrow at two thirty. Yeah. They, which they were smart. Yes, yes, I was gonna say most <laughs> of the time everyone leaves on Friday. Because, you know, like, like you've been here for a couple of days, like I'm exhausted already. So like, but um, yeah, he's the last speaker and we'll see how many people stay. A couple, I was talking to a couple of people and they were like worried that if he comes out and it's only half full because people still left, it might be a little embarrassing. I mean, I think that half a mil will make it easier. I mean, just tell him, hey, everybody's online. I'm, I'm absolutely sure some people will have stayed to see him. Some people, of course. Let me ask you another question like, about the flavor of the uh, content. Yeah. So remember in the beginning, it was like, how are we all going to drive revenue together? And how can HubSpot help you with that? And now there's so many topics that are adjacent, wellness and yeah, yeah. things like that. What, any internal conversation as to why it's like so much broader now? It's a great question. There's just no wellness module on the yeah. HubSpot app yeah, as yeah, far yeah, as yeah. I can say. It's a great question. I think there's a few things happening. I think one, we've definitely put a huge emphasis on diversity um DIB over the past years and i think it's really reflected in there like business is not just about making money you need to have a greater mission and you need to contribute to the public good so i think that's kind of driving some of that also i know that the intent of inbound is to be more than just it's to inspire people they want people to walk away and not just have like a bunch of cool little new tactics to use on their website but also like get inspired just be, be a better human being mm -hmm. so i think that's kind of what's driving that change and i think i mean i think we're seeing that across the industry though right yeah i don't know i feel like the content has become at least for me personally less useful yeah over the past few years like when we came in the beginning like i was learning things that right. i wanted to take right, back right, right. And, and build into our engagements and help our clients with and, and barack obama's great and you know some of these speakers are great there's not enough of that other content. Like, like who's killing it? 
on organic, right? And what are they doing? Like, or I want to know. A panel trying to figure out the omni-channel thing. Like, yeah. I would sit on that all day and listen to those. So I actually have, again, because I don't get to attend any of the sessions, I, don't even, even know. I don't even yeah. really know. Um, well, if you do like a debrief or something, you know what I always thought would be cool here? Like, a bake-off with, like, some of the best agencies, right? I love that. Like, you put five people on the stage, and you're like, <laughs> this is the problem. Go. And each of them have to, like, come up with the best solution to solve well, a problem. And they have problem. to use the secret ingredient cauliflower. <laughs> well, you know. Well, that's, like, chopped, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. They, uh, you know, we used to have Partner Day. That, that got canceled. Hopefully, they bring it back in 2023. We should suggest that. But that would be a perfect Partner Day. No. No, no, no. No. You the, want the prospects the and the customers okay. to hear what they're supposed to be doing. Gotcha. Right? right. Your thought process beyond, oh, right. here's how I would solve right. that problem right. as an agency who right. sees many accounts yeah, at the same yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Right. And right. Partner Day was one of my favorite things. Like it was so specific Me to too. us. Me too. Yeah, it yeah. really gave you the information you needed. You got a little sneak preview here. Yeah. You got a little bit of assistance there. It was a great day. And I love when they tacked it onto the first day of yep. Inbound. Yeah, yeah. I'm already yeah, here. good. Yes. I know. I, hope, I really, I don't know if they plan to, but I really hope we bring back part because we used to have it in the spring, yes. March, April. Yes. We used to have a yeah. partner day. Yeah, well, in wait, the office. That's a partner day. The day before about there were two. So the, we, all right, the, the, they there were a lot of iterations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they, you're right about doing yeah. that, but they also had another one. And it, before that, even they had a whole partner track that was just built into yes. this. Like yeah. partners were over here doing their thing. Everyone else was over there doing their thing, which I also thought was great. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. What advice would you give for our listeners? Like, you know, the, it's going to be a rough or let's just say rocky year. From your perspective, as you know, the conversations you're having with the internal team, what are some nuggets you can leave with our listeners? Well, two things. One, I would say, um, I'd be curious to know what are the channels that are currently performing for them, and I would just like set the expectation that we're we're entering into a world that's much more uncertain. Um, and they need to be get ready to be patient. So I think practicing patience um, and being able to be willing to try new things. Um, I also think that's like SMS marketing is going to be coming into HubSpot very, very soon. Oh, good. So when? I think it could be another, I don't know the exact, but it's coming soon. Beta. Beta. Okay. Um, I'll text you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then just invest in your CRM. Honestly, like, you, you know, customize. Now we'll allow you to customize it. So customize it. Focus on that first party data uh, is what I would recommend. Like make sure you're tracking the right leads, converting as many leads as you can, keeping your data clean, customizing the, 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 the CRM, actually using a CRM, but some people don't even use one yet. Um, yeah, and also making sure conversation with a prospect, they were like, you know, using deals is just annoying. Right. I'm like, but how would you extract the data from your sales process unless you follow that deal from right. beginning to end every single time? Yeah. And to their credit, what they were doing was high volume, $500 products. So sure. there's a lot of transactions. But I said, you're not going to get the data because if we can move the needle 2% here and 1% there, the compounding effect will give them much more revenue. Yep. But we won't know how to do that unless we watch the deal go through yep. the system. So you're right. I think leaning into that would be a great and, 2023 initiative. And the two other recommendations I make is one, um, really focus on uh, CRM. We're talking about deals, CRM. Deals, CRM. 2023. 2023. Hold on. Very confusing. Very confusing. Lots um, of different things to do. <laughs> Patience. While you think about it, I, I really think you've got to have a long-term perspective on this. The, 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 the biggest mistake I see people making is short-term thinking. Right? Yeah. 
I, I want something done immediately and then I'm done, right? Like I, I view marketing as a project, right? You know, run me a campaign and then when that's over, I'll figure out what I want to do next, right? Like, yeah, I could agree. They, they have to, Eric had such a good example a couple of weeks ago for a manufacturer, they buy a machine, right? And they're looking at the investment in that machine as a long-term investment. Yes. And they know that it's got to get installed. Yep. It's got to get tuned. It's got to get serviced. You'll have to get trained on it. They have to change their process to that use the new machine. Yep. It's not like they're going to buy the machine and a week later be like, this machine's not working. Get rid of it. Like Correct. they would never do that. They got to look at marketing like that too. And it's funny. We've had this machine metaphor forever. The yeah, marketing the machine, the revenue machine. Right. But the machine before we used to say like your raw leads would come in one side and yes. the machine would finish them into revenue on the other side. But now the long-term view of the machine is key because when you're looking at it from an accounting perspective, you're depreciating that machine over what, five, 10 years? And or yet more. marketing is five, 10 minutes. Right. That's the way people are, are looking yeah. at it. But if they really leaned into an initiative for five years, just yeah. imagine the success yeah. they would yeah. have. You need, you need to see your marketing as an investment over the long-term. Marketing is not a tactic that you pull out because you happen to have a bad month when it right. comes to leads. Like it's, right, right. If you, that's your approach. Or you shut off if you had a bad month. Right. Like you have to keep it going. Every, it's, like, it's like breathing. Like every day you wake up, you're going to yep. breathe. Every day you wake up, you got you to run marketing. I wish all of us could help companies understand that more yep. and, and better so that they really felt like that. If, if they really did understand that, I think our job would be so much easier. We'd be so much more successful. I mean, they would be so much more successful. They would be getting the leads and the sales opportunities. They'd be growing the way they uh, uh, aspire to grow. Yeah. My two other recommendations I remember. One, disparate systems. People need to work on making sure that all the different tools that they're using are all connected into one. So making sure that all the different data you're gathering is actually speaking to one another in a clean way. The other thing is automation. I know we've been talking about this a lot, but like, what are the things that your team is doing that is manual, right? And that can be replaced by a workflow or replaced by sequence. And I think people need to look at digital as not just like, it's like, it's like digital is a way to automate your business, right? How can you like, and it free up somebody's time to do something more meaningful, but how can we further like automate all these little tasks that we do on a day-to-day basis? That's my two recommendations. You know, it's interesting you say that because we had a client and he said, I want to install as much software as I can because we want to scale without hiring more people. It, can you it, help us exactly. do Exactly. We had the solution, obviously, right? That's exactly. That, that is was exactly. their whole focus yep. without hiring more people. Yeah, not enough people have that perspective. Uh, correct. Right. We will continue to evangelize as, uh, as life goes on. Anything else you want to add before we wrap up? No, I, this has been a really awesome. You know, you're a very good guest. Thank you. Yeah. Not that we haven't had a guest, but I like having one million followers. You know, talking about staying the course, our podcast, Mike said, we're going to do this podcast and we're going to do a hundred episodes and we're not going to stop until we get there. I love that. And you know, what's interesting two weeks ago. Yeah. A thousand downloads. Yeah. Yeah. So how many, uh, I I think this is the 50th episode. Is it 49th? Yeah, 49th or 50th episode. But we're sticking to it no matter what. Yeah. Well, it's a really good experiment. If you want to bring me for the 100th, I'm I'm happy to go. Come come back. back. Go come back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess theoretically that would be a year for Dow. Right. Right. There you go. Yeah. I mean, look, this is, look, again, like we experiment with Square Two. This has been an incredible experiment, not only in staying power and like not stopping, because we did another podcast right in the middle of the pandemic. Beginning. Yes. Uh, On the horizon. On the horizon. And after like, Two months, 
we were like, yeah. we're tired, and we stopped. Well, we were doing it every morning. <laughs> we were doing it every morning. Every morning at 9 o'clock. Every morning at 9 o'clock. That so was our, like, effort. We could have downshifted on the frequency right. a little bit. Well, we were, our goal was if you woke up and you bought our podcast, and you were like, okay, I feel a little bit inspired to, like, work on my business, right. even though the world is Everybody was locked down. Yeah. And yeah. kept being like, it's coming, you know, this will, this will end. Right. Like, What's coming down the pike? Are you using this time wisely? Some of our clients did. We had a wonderful 2020 where a lot of clients really leaned into the quiet period and worked on their market, which yeah. was yeah. a gift. Yeah. I just wish we had transitioned that and kept going, right? Because when we stopped, like, you, you lose all the momentum, right? Like, this is such a great example of what we just said. Like, you just got to keep going, right? And this particular, we do a video, we do a podcast, this turn gets turned into a blog, this gets turned into social posts. Like in an hour, we create all that content. Like to me, that is content at scale, right? YouTube channels, our streaming service, our uh, um, the, the page on our website for the show, the podcast, like in an hour and with a little bit of post-production, we have all that content created. It's so much different than when we used to write an ebook. It would take 10 hours to write it and five hours to design it. And then a website page had to be, and we throw it up there and four people would download it. You know, that took us, that's $5,000 in cost to produce that piece of content that was stale and outdated. And, you know, this is such a better way to do it. You got to carry on. You know, the British like to say, keep calm and carry on. So the, the queen passed away. So maybe it's a good oh, way to end. Oh, on the, uh, on the okay. uh, keep, you know, the British way of like, we're going to carry on the fight. Yep. Uh, to the end, very Churchillian. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Be more like Churchill. Be like Churchill. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully our uh, audience will take that as a little bit of a signal on what they need to do also. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it, Eric. Thank you for stepping in. We had our technical issues. Um, I'll just wrap up with what I always do. Thanks so much for joining us on What's Wrong With Revenue. You can go check it out at square2marketing.com. Uh, on our uh, streaming service, Square2 Plus, P-L-U-S, uh, all of our audio and video content is there. We, we post updates to that every single day. And uh, take a look at our YouTube channel. This will be up there tomorrow, square2marketing.com. Like us, subscribe to it, leave us comments. We really appreciate everybody's comments. Finally, uh, if you want to check out the show specifically, there's a link at the bottom of our website, What's Wrong With Revenue. Click it. You can subscribe to the show. You can submit questions. If you watch, watch the show, you know Eric and I love questions. We didn't do too many today. We'll get back to questions next week from uh, our uh, audience. And uh, the show will be tomorrow on every single podcast platform that you could possibly be interested in getting it on. Thanks so much for joining us, Gilm. Thanks again for having us, Eric. Thanks for being a great uh, second in command. And everybody, have a great day.